Okay. I've got a okay. got a document that says Trial Three Solutions, and it's literally got nothing on it. <laughs> we saw the <laughs> we saw the so we not, should be re- we should, I feel like we should be recording. Should we this just video. start and then we just <laughs> we could always, so we could always edit. We don't understand. Yeah, I think we should because we're not doing this live, so I'm starting this now because this okay. is hysterical. And then we will we can as we once we figure it out, we'll say, "Oh, hello." This will be the pre-show as we panic because it's time to do a podcast and we have no idea what's happening. In the summer of 2016, a mysterious locked book appeared online, promising to reveal the magical secrets held inside if someone could solve the 16 puzzles required to open it. A year later, the book is open. And the adventure that thousands of readers embarked on to unlock it is becoming a book of its own. This is the story of how that adventure came to be. This is the making of the Monarch Papers. Hello, everyone. Hi, Hi Simon. Hi, Johnny. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back to the making of the Monarch Papers, episode 4B, where we attempt to recall what happened in the second half of Fragment 4. Um, we're having trouble. We're still that. trying to remember. <laughs> it, it turns out we were a lot less organized on the forum in phase one than we, we were by the end. And so our memories aren't great. Our notes aren't great. Our documentation is not great. And the forum is really unorganized. And so we were trying to catch up to figure out what the heck happened next in trial three of fragment four. And we think we have figured it out, but please feel free to let us know on the forum if we've gotten it wrong. How wrong we are. <laughs> how just, just how wrong we are, yes. So when we left off, the Cloisters mission had just ended. Hermes and Seacon had gotten another traveler's disc with an ISBN number from Reader and uh, and Reader had provided them, we're not sure if it was with the Traveler's Disc or if Reader had stolen it from Sasha, but she provided you the next clue, which was a riddle about clocks all over New York City. Correct? That is correct. We know there okay. was a riddle. Definitely a riddle. I'm just going to be quiet until Johnny takes over and explains <laughs> this. <laughs> well, the, the, well the, the riddle was designed to... Uh, give the the players uh, a telephone number if they could work out from uh, certain lines in the in the riddle that they related to certain numbers and if they strung the numbers together they would have a telephone number so um, they had the uh, Delacorte music clock in Central Park uh, which chimed at uh, 8 and 6 o'clock so they got a 6 from that one Uh, there was a clock on uh, Duane Street which, um, which, with a little bit of trickery, gave him a number 46, because it was 146, but he dropped a cent. It was a bit of clever wordplay. Uh, there was... You go, ooh, like I've never heard this before. I love it. I, I barely have heard this before. I barely remember, remember it before. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, the woman with the opal face. There we, we sat one at the... Um, is it Penn Station? <laughs> Grand, Central Grand Central Station, wasn't it? Grand Central Station. The one with all the constellations in the wrong order on the on the ceiling. Right. Yes. That was an eighty-eight. There was. Uh, I'm filling because I'm hoping you've got something um, to come after this. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, so let me get this straight. The assignment we gave you 
it, this sounds like torture. We gave you an assignment where we had a phone number and you needed to find clocks around New York City and somehow connect them to the numbers that we had already determined in a phone number. That, you that must seems have, so cruel. I don't, you must have, where did you get the phone number from? How did you do that? Uh, this, well, all of these numbers were through Google Voice. I expended all of my email addresses registering uh, virtual phone numbers and then creating and, and all of these messages from Brandon, you couldn't upload a message. Um, so there was no digital fidelity, which we'll get into later with the actual phone puzzle. So I would have to record a message on my phone and then get another phone, call myself and record a voicemail message by holding my phone to another phone's microphone. And so they all sounded terrible. And that's why people were all, you were having trouble learning what it actually said. And then during the, um, the call, we'll get into that. But yeah, so that was, that's how we did that. Do you, um, do you remember that actually the original way we were going to do this puzzle was that the clocks were going to point to another clock. So the time on the clock would lead you to another clock, which would lead you to another clock. So kind of uh, the second, the minute right. hand would point southwesterly and that would give you so that would be i don't know what what would south <laughs> what, what would southwesterly be it would be sort of around eight o'clock and then that would that make me had to go southwesterly and then that would point you to another clock and we just went no that's just ridiculous i mean no it was way too hard and, yeah and it didn't get you anything except it was taking you to the crafter it was taking you to yeah. the fi the final clock location but we didn't have any way to to sort of puzzle the numbers to them and and but like if we had done this in phase four, some a character would have been like, "Hey, I found this phone number here," <laughs> but we had to turn it into some elaborate hours, days long puzzle. Oh, okay. So so then when they had that phone number, they started getting messages from Brandon Lockman, automate well not automated but pre recorded messages. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I want to say yes. I believe so. It and it good. was. <laughs> Yeah, and it was Brandon, you know, I remember Mind the Times, they will show you the the path you have to walk. And and there was a 2 p.m., 7 p.m., and 10 p.m. Yes. So this and is everyone actually, was... Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. There is, so this is the, the, the great video that's actually on the wiki of, of, of Cole, Cole going around there and, and freaking out because he, you know, he was going across the... Uh, across from one one telephone booth to another to another, and they go, "Oh my God, I have to go and listen to it again." And then, you know, we could yeah, you're holding it up so we could hear, or Cole was holding it up in here, so and and you couldn't hear anything. And it's like, "Oh my God, he's saying all this stuff." Oh my God, he's saying all this stuff. It's so cool. And then you went back, and then he went back to the clock. <laughs> I went, "I've got. Wait a minute, I got it. There's ten, and there's a seven, and there's a two. That's where the phone booths point to." And it was right. like, so I watched the video today and it was so exciting because I thought, I have no idea what's going on. This is amazing. Yeah, well, and I think too at the time, narratively, either the devoted, they, we had been burned and the devoted knew, or we knew that they were going to go to the phones too. They knew that the answer was at the clock. So there yeah. was this perceived tension of will Cole be d something done to him? Um, but yeah, so they hadn't figured out that it was 2 p.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m. So it was up to Cole in a bit of an Allison Tom kind of way to say, wait a minute, <laughs> I think I've got it. There's a phone at 2 p.m., 7 yeah. p.m., at 10 p.m. And, there was and a so when I, 
that, sorry, there was a choice moment when everyone seemed to disappear off the street altogether. I don't know if you remember that. It, all of a sudden, I it turned suddenly like the devoted had actually cleared the whole street. There was like two <laughs> people there, and suddenly there was like a whole rush of people going past, and you could hear all this conversation, and then nothing. And it got really, and I was creeped out by it. Do you remember? Oh, but do you also remember that <laughs> we had to start banning people from the. Uh, what, what's the app that we were using? Um, what's it called? Was it Periscope? Periscope because or was it, <laughs> there was, were lots of people trying to hook up and go, hey, honey, you look. <laughs> right, right, right. No, Based on the no, location. No. Yeah, they're like, where are you where in New York? You? Oh, I love that city. What's yeah. going on? Well, they devoted to, to coming to set the, Not now. To set this puzzle up, I had to go down there, find the payphones first, and then call them. Call, because payphones now don't show numbers its own number on the payphone here. So you, I, would, I brought a bunch of change, went downtown, found the phones, and then called, the, called my phone to get the numbers. And by the time I got there, it was less than two weeks later. One phone didn't work at all. Um, and, and so the point was you were supposed to call, if you, if you called those phones in the correct order, called the number in the correct order, you would get a message at the end. Um, and so, so <laughs> everything went wrong. I recorded the message. It didn't work because you couldn't hear anything. I could barely hear anything with my own ear to the phone. So they couldn't hear anything. Luckily, I had brought what Brendan said on an index card. I had handwritten it. And so off camera was reading it saying, oh, he's saying something about something. I must have looked like an insane person for sure. Um, (laughs) There was dramatic tension, definitely. Right. And then because of the stress of it and because these things make me so nervous, um, the point was Cole was going to put change in the phone, call the number, and it was going to give him that last message. And then whenever he hung up, the traveler's disc, the last traveler's disc was going to come out of the payphone, But... First off, the traveler's disc, when I got there, wouldn't fit in it. So there was no reveal of Cole putting his, like, hearing a sound and putting a thing, you know. So we came up with the idea. And I think I, I may have even forgotten about it at the time. But on the forum, someone said, oh I, oh, I think it was Cole actually said, I think putting the quarter in the payphone turned it into a traveler's disc. And that's how we got the, uh, the message. And so maybe he, he gave them that number or something because he said he had heard it in the call. I honestly, this is all so foggy. <laughs> Please write yeah, in and tell us what we did. <laughs> the first, yeah, the first, the first two calls, he, he was repeating numbers. And the third message was like when he just spilled the beans. And he'd aged. Right. That's right. He, he was the yeah, older he was traveler. He was traveler yeah. then. Yeah. So that's right. If you called the first two phones in the right order, you got the two halves of the phone number to call on the third one. Mm. Oh, so clever. It's all coming back so to clever. us now. Almost too clever for us. <laughs> for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so from that, they had gotten the third part. And that's, I think, when they realized definitively that they had been burned by that that the devoted had learned the truth because remember they were supposed to send them a message and when they did the devoted had changed everything to be like we know what you've done yeah and the website changed its text and And it it, yeah and it all gone black yes like uh the yeah um 
So does anyone remember how we got to the fourth trial of Brendan Lachman, the day he disappeared, on the anniversary of the day he disappeared? I... I don't. <laughs> I know that they, the guys had got worked out that they were looking for... Uh, they were working out the books from the Dewey Decimal System at the library, mm-hmm. and they knew they had to go to the library on the 29th of October? They thought they had yeah, to be there Yeah, that's right. They had the time. date. They had a date. And I know when Hermes, that amazing journey around the library, and it looked so beautiful, I really would like to go. Uh, they, uh, there was a letter in one of the books at the end. So was that it? No. There, uh, no, that was the whole entire end. So they, they got a list, I think, in a story. Simon and I were just trying to recall this. They got a this is the worst episode. <laughs> We're like, I, I have no idea. I don't yeah. know. It, things happened, and they and you won. You did it. Magic. <laughs> um, we there was a story of some kind that led them to four sort of locations and last names of authors, and that was in the this main reference library in the New York Public Library. There is a North Hall and a South Hall. And so that would tell you what of which of these two giant rooms they were in, and then you would look for that author. Um, and they we they solved that pretty quickly, I recall. And once again, I had gone there a week before, and put um, parts of the 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 glass report in those books. Brandon had hid those. He had taken his the book report apart and hidden them in those four books so someone could find them and, and follow his path. I'm remembering things. And so once they had the four books, they just had to wait on that day. They would go, and then they would not get a... Did they get a, another disc? There was no... Was there a disc hidden in the book? Or inside the envelope inside the book report with the book report you're right you, yeah i think i think perhaps i think perhaps that's that is true i honestly don't know <laughs> i have, honestly do not it made know. sense for it to, to be there but uh, w- yes. knowing us at that stage it probably didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> i would not go i would not make anything based on what made sense especially at this at this point of the monarch papers but that does seem logical uh, that they would have found something. I just don't remember hiding something in a book. Oh, oh, and then there were numbers so that the book to give them help. Every seat in the library had a number, and if they would find that number, they knew they were close to the corresponding book. Um, but that was another case where they didn't want them filming, and so Secon sort of like held the phone down the entire time. And what people didn't know is that. He was not a plant or an actor. They were friends, but they really didn't know where to go. But I did have him set up. We had a chat window open so that I could say, hey, uh, look around or maybe say this to add to the tension or to help them get places. But I sent him probably 40 texts, including things like hurry, hurry, hurry there or do this or it's over here. You've got it. And he there was no reception in the library and he never got a single one of them until he left. They all came in after, but we were watching this live and we were completely helpless. Yeah. It was was the worst. That was the day I, I probably should have been there to, to sort of say like this way, you know, like in the background, sort of like, come over here, 
hold it there, or it could have just been me. Uh, but we felt like the immersion of it, we wanted it to feel like they were players, that they were mountaineers, not it, it was staged. Like we said last episode, we didn't want it to feel like a cut scene. No. Um, but after that day, that was when we said, never again will we do a live no. day. No, it was so stressful. Um, so stressful. But yeah, so then they found the last one and then they had read the book report. And when they read the book report on the back was a letter from Sasha written on the yeah. back that said, sorry, I can't, you know, I can't go with you basically. When, and so then we got this little bit of backstory about Sasha that she had been friends with Brandon when they were young and he had told her everything that he wanted her to come and showed her magic things at the clock and he, how he could sort of shape the world and he wanted her to cross over and leave the forest and at the last minute she refused and that had been her regret for 30 years. Um, and we denied her the opportunity <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, to to reach Brandon. So then, with the uh, with the book report, they then had to complete a quiz online. And we'd already established in the last episode that that the original version of that was they were going to take a an interactive journey through the book report that would take them on. They'd, they'd have to agree to yes or no decisions, um, sort of like the decisions in the eventual book of uh, The Forest of Darkening Glass um, and that they would uh, that would then lead them to the right answer to unlock the final uh, part of the fragment yeah right um, but we, well, that yes. got scrapped and we, so we ended up doing a questionnaire with radio buttons was it that one? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. it was a modal but it, each each question had 20 options fun <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and that was actually, so that was the Mountaineers' first um, assessment. That was their end-of-phase assessment. And so I'm trying to think of everything that happened for how, how we wrapped uh, phase one, which was Deirdre's going to reopen um, Ackerley Green. Um, the devoted were wiped out, and Sasha was gone, recruited by this parent organization, that we would learn later was comedic solutions. Um, uh, Cole had, you know, done his thing and had sort of semi-retired, if you recall. <laughs> he had sort of said, like, I, you know, I can't keep doing this. Little did he know. Cole, Cole and C.J. Bernstein had said, uh, <laughs> we can't keep doing this. Um, and and so then they had their first spell, which was, do you remember the name of the potion they virtually created? I'm teasing it out while I get to this it. Wasn't, so I can't remember this wasn't it was tea called. time, was it? That's much later. Um, no, this was kindly brew for finding hidden things. Oh, and that, that was so they put all the all the pieces of the paper together to get the instructions yeah. to the yeah. yes. And there was a sort of oh and oh yeah, that's right. So they finished face. Um, they finished fragment four with that quiz yeah. and then the last assessment was sort of like an opinion poll about your guild affinity and also the order in which you add ingredients and do things to create the brew and when you complete it you found the first key that unlocked flora in the book of briars we did it <laughs> phase one yay um yeah, and that was the last time an assessment was that easy, that's for sure. Assessments <laughs> ended up becoming the bane of every Mountaineer's existence. <laughs> um, so let's, let's, 
if, is there anything else we want to reflect on in Fragment 4? Because what I would like to do is spend a little time talking about sort of reflecting on Phase 1 as a whole and then kind of what we learned, what we took forward with that and what, how it changed the, the future yeah. phrases. Phases. I know. have absolutely nothing further to add on Fragment 4. <laughs> I never yeah. want to and again. It was, yeah. it was a lesson learned, wasn't it? They, we, I, think yeah. we, I think because we got more and more uh, uh, players coming into the game, we felt that we needed to make this much bigger. And that was possibly part of our downfall, where we just went, okay, let's just grab stuff and let's get it all in there and squeeze in as much as possible to keep people occupied. I think we, had that, we were afraid of having people sitting with theoretically nothing to do for a couple of days until we did another part of the fragment. Right. And I think it was, I, I do think though that in, it's sort of the act one of a book or a movie, you have to have a hook that gets you in before you love and care about the characters. So I do think at the end of the day, while this almost killed us, it was good to do something that was so gamey, so puzzly, so engaging mentally, because at the time, no one was like, oh my God, what's Deirdre gonna do? It definitely pulled um, the guilds together. It, pulled, it definitely brought people together in the forums much tighter. Absolutely. I think, yeah. And I think, oh, no, I was gonna say, I think though, it was, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, it still didn't really make Deirdre the central character yet it was because I think they the, the the readers were so interested in Brandon and his experiences and Cole and uh, King Rabbit and yet you know the actual central character is about to come into her own um, so it's kind of interesting it was, it was world building yeah so. and at the time it was still that universe where we believed there were two parallel storylines that that could like briefly intersect with things like King Rabbit. It was only, I think that we took time between phase one and phase two to sort of say, how can we more intrinsically connect them? Because if we do, that gives us the opportunity to be more narrative and less puzzle, less ARG, where we can, a blog post can be the content because it does affect the Mountaineers' lives. Whereas a Deirdre post in phase one was like, oh, that's interesting. She's you know, acclimating mm. to New York City, but it didn't affect them. What else? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. What else about, yeah. about the whole of that phase one then is, is interesting in terms of lessons? Uh, I mean, well, that was a big one is that they, that they had to be, inter be one narrative. And, the, and I know that that shaped things in phase two that, that you and I were talking about, like with, um, it's so strange to think that until the end of phase one, we had not, we had not come up with the idea um, uh, to have Sullivan's journals. Um, <laughs> that the, the actual, the Monarch papers, I remember there were, I was looking back, there was the message I sent you that said, what if, because right now, Deirdre's kind of drifting, but if there was a purpose, whereas the Mountaineers have a purpose, someone's telling them you have to solve these things to open this thing. Deirdre has a vague kind of, I'm here to do what? Yeah. Be an avatar in a way for the players to move around a board. But I, 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 my idea was if, if she had her own pu puzzle and purpose and, her, and it was her father driving her and a way for her to get to know him, even he, though he was gone, 
And that was where, and then it was like, oh my God, wouldn't it be great if these were the actual monarch papers? <laughs> Instead of this vague, we had just had this abstract title that was about Monarch's Mountain and we, sh we were sure there'd be papers. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know what the papers were going to have on them. Uh, they yeah, but I do feel that that was a, I do feel like that was an answer to the question of phase one, which was how, how do we correct course and make them care more because if they care more we don't have to do so much of the big shiny stuff i think also it's where we kind of went as you said less game more story and that story was um the story parts were the exciting bit the bit that who is this person who is this character what are they interested in where are they going where they're headed we just focused that on the the uh, minor characters instead of the major characters until this point and so that sort of pivot and shift towards okay well then we can uh, as you say, weave those two stories more tightly together makes it less about separate game and more about this is one story that just happens to have some uh, interactive puzzling as part of it. Yeah, that's true. And I think, too, I, I seem to recall my own personal issues as a writer that in phase one, I didn't mind meddling in all of the secondary characters that the Mountaineers knew and interacted with, but there was this element of Deirdre that I still felt was precious and kind of, I didn't want to touch that, that I wanted it to stay in this little bubble a little bit. I think partly because I know the repercussions of what will happen in the future that we've all discussed. And also, uh, it, being the, the main character, you want your main character to be fantastic. And any little weird misstep, if she says like, oh, I just happen to remember this, it solves your puzzle, degrades the level of immersion and realism. And and by phase two, <laughs> we're just like screw it. Let's <laughs> get her in there. Get her in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it made it much more compelling. I mean, yeah. I I feel like uh, we got better and better as we went along, but I do feel phase two was the first time that we were sort of firing on all cylinders. I agree. Yes, we had a puzzle then that led, well, lasted we... the whole fragment, didn't we? <laughs> totally I think, but we, we also weren't. We weren't sort of groping our way through the dark as it were with oh my goodness what what is this thing that we've we've created i mean we we had a, we set out with the intention of what it should be to that we've created but actually what is it and by the time we got to the end of phase one we think we i think we'd learned what it was yeah <laughs> what, and it was, it was nice too to like, have it was well, we knew yeah, what it wasn't like and it wasn't phase <laughs> <Yeah>. one <laughs> we knew we were wrong yeah. that's what we had learned um and also we had sort of, because we had gone through that three-month process, we were like, okay, we can do another pocket three months. We can sort of look at this window. We see, and at the end of it, we'd be halfway through. Um, so there was a bit of, there was that excitement of phase two. Um, but so many, I mean, we'll get into that, you know, I guess starting next week, but so many things happened too, like narratively, puzzle-wise, internally, like that, Phase two was a lot of us moving pieces around to figure out how the rest of the Monarch papers would work and how we could manage the the responsibility and not kill ourselves <laughs> to say, like, this puzzle is enough. You know, this puzzle is good enough. They they care now about the people. Yeah. And the story and what's happening. Yeah. And that was an unexpected thing was the Cagliostro becoming so beloved um, I don't know, not beloved. Because it was, it's all it was, cause it was expertly performed. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, <laughs> he's just marvelous. I, 
I don't know. I feel like uh, Martin Rank was, uh... <laughs> or or Teddy Fallon, or <laughs> or CJ. I mean, yeah. I mean Cole. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! I, that, the, the we don't have to get it, but in Phase Three with Comedic Solutions, where I sent you this file of me being seven people, yeah. or something like that. Like, can you just make this sound good? Um, yeah. So um, <laughs> Phase One had ended. We took a very short break. Um, and then started back in January. Uh, any any last thoughts about f- um, Phase One, Fragment Four? Was it was it uh, was it January, or had we had, or, or do we start before, before? Oh, you're right. Christmas? We did. We started right after. Because I thought right. Oh, I had after to start Thanksgiving. Early. Yeah, we did start in December. Yeah. Ugh. But we did take time off. Oh, yeah. Oh, purposefully, Cole and Deirdre both left town because it was the holidays. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wow. Man, we did not stop. And then after phase two, we took a month off. Yeah. Because we'd, we'd nearly died. <laughs> um, all right. Well, fantastic. I feel like we, we knocked that one out of the park. I mean, we barely... <laughs> I think what you mean is we got away with it. There were no questions about this part. No, they were main, the ones we asked last week were sort of overall. I think they probably remember the second half as vividly as we yeah, do. Yeah, it was a blur. So they didn't have a lot of They've, questions. Oh yeah, and so yeah, so Brandon, I, I think we talked about this before about Brandon hadn't originally been the traveler, and that a couple of people were candidates. And I remember saying maybe a sender was Traveler. And I also pitched you this terrible idea. And I remember your reaction, which was, what if Brandon was a sender? What if a sender had sort of, I don't know, come back and then recruited people? <laughs> Mountaineer. Even now, I can't get my head around it. <laughs> but, um, but him being Traveler ended up being the best. Yeah, it was a great idea. Thanks, um, Mounties, for cool. that. Thanks, Mounties. Um, Okay, great. Well, have a wonderful afternoon. And if you guys haven't, listeners, um, check out patreon.com slash ackerlygreen. There are a lot of tiers you can sign up for from $1 up to $100. You can get merch and special experiences. And you can even watch this podcast being recorded live and ask questions. You can also um, watch the or listen to the podcast episodes almost a week early. That's pretty cool, right? Um, Among a lot of other things. Go check it out. Um, Yeah, so I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And we will see everyone else next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.